Blog Talk Radio. things, but it, it's so much more fun to me, and that's one of the reasons I picked you is 
being out of the box, I think we draw more people to us than we run them away. And so it's it's an honor for me to play with you at this level and to always engage with you, whether, you know, I'm seeing you at Unity Village or I come to Nashville to your church. So part of the thing that's exciting also for um, different episodes, we bring back Coach Carla. Um, she's a regular contributor to the program. Uh, Coach Carla McClellan, who is a noted Unity minister, radio and television personality, but is gaining such acclaim as life coach Carla with clients who are raving about her support. So I want to tell all the listeners, be sure to check out uh, Coach Carla's website at lifecoachcarla.com. Um, it, it's an amazing website. She's added some new features to it that we're excited about. So you be sure to check that out. She is fun, she is real, and she is, uh, oh, so memorable, no doubt. So, uh, <laughs> Coach Carla, welcome back to the program. Hey, Jamie and Denise. I'm just thrilled to be on this show with you guys. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about your churches, um, how Life Coach Carla is is my church because um, uh, the the whole idea of marinated in unity principles is that we're all one. So to be life coach, I'm, I feel like I'm away from the theology and into the spirit of experiencing God, whatever we're doing. And that's how I, you know, how I get on a TV show or how I um, get hired by clients um, around the world. I've, I'm just thrilled. Um, to be doing it. Um, this year I'm doing a retreat at Unity Village June 9th through the 12th with Reverend Michael Gott called Principles for Vibrant Living. And let me tell you, we are going to really have connection, clarity, and conversation um, and laugh all the way through it because, 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 because laughter is the best drug we can take. Amen to that. <laughs> and you know, you know, Jamie, I was going to say, is there really a box to be in anymore? I can't even imagine what it would be like for me to try to even fit into a box. So I had to kick those sides down many years ago. Oh, I yeah. know. You know, I, yeah. I, I encountered a lot of people, and I know both of you have too, who would tell us this is how a, and I'm doing the air quotes, minister should dress. This is how ministers should behave. And the the thing is, I really don't want anybody ever telling me how to dance, as Johnny Coleman once said. You know, spirit <laughs> flows through each one of us. You don't, as Johnny said, you don't get to tell me how to dance. And so I, I loved that the moment I heard it. So we have to be authentic. And I totally agree with Carla on the, you know, I don't, I, and I don't mean it with any disrespect, but I tell people all the time, if you have no sense of humor, I have little um, tolerance to spend any time with you because I want to laugh. I want to be joyful. Life is too short to spend it being serious. So I don't know how you feel about it, Denise, but I know you love to laugh as much as I do, and so does Carla. Well, I will tell you that all of my young years, I got in trouble for laughing all the time. It was very funny because, you know, I laugh at everything. I even laugh at inappropriate times when no one else is supposed to re be really laughing. I've laughed in the middle of funerals. I have laughed in the middle of lots of things. But I think 
what I have taken from that is that there was a part of me, even as a young child sitting in a corner because I had misbehaved, that I knew that there was something greater than all of that going on inside of me, and I just learned to laugh. And it's been probably about seven years ago or more that I went to Emerson University and I saw the Dalai Lama. And I assumed he was going to be this very theological person. And the thing that I took away from listening to him talk was that he laughed. He laughed about everything he said. And he basically told us that we held ourselves too seriously and that we needed to learn to laugh and lighten up. That's enlightenment, lightening up. You put yes, that laughter is, you know, there's nothing more contagious than the sound of laughter. When when we share laughter, um, you know, we get closer. It creates intimacy and connection. We're happier. Um, laughter can take us through the darkest moments and times where, like Denise, when you said I've laughed at inappropriate times, I can remember a time with my family where um, either either one of my parents would start laughing and the four of us would just be going hysterical in uh-huh. church and my mother would be going, oh, stop it. You know, we'd go, no, not going to. <laughs> because if you don't laugh, you're not engaged in the joy of being alive. And if it's one thing I've learned in this journey of saging now instead of aging is um, that that laughter brings out the best in every situation. You know, recently I, I went through the, an experience of um, losing one of my brothers. And in that process of being with him for the three weeks, you know what? I got him to laugh so many times. And I felt like, you know, there's no holier work I could be doing than than the two of us laughing about childhood memories. And, you know, the, the thing he said is you sound just like mother, and she's sitting right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, tell her to get busy and heal you. <laughs> wow. Because laughter, laughter is an amazing, powerful antidote to the stress of daily living. We are living in an overwhelmed society, aren't we? Oh, most definitely we are, and especially right now with things that have been going on in different countries and people having fears now, again, of going to the airport and flying and that kind of thing. It's like, what can we do to relieve some of that stress? And I agree with you 100%. Laughter always helps me relieve stress. It always does. I can be in the midst of, of a living nightmare, and I have been in the midst of many living <laughs> nightmares. And, and if I keep my sense of humor and, and get people laughing, that stress just diminishes. And once we can lower the stress in our body, um, we calm down that part of our brain that has us um, uh, shooting cortisol into our body instead of accessing the creative solution power that we all have within us. Um, you know, you can't laugh and be afraid. You can't laugh and worry. Um, oftentimes you hear people in today's world, I'm so busy, I so busy. And you think to yourself, well, is that the new uh, rich? You know, if you're busy, then you really are you know, you're right. successful. Uh-uh. 
I want to hang with the people who are laughing and enjoying their life because they're people who have come alive, not living off a to-do list that is never done. You know, I, I was um, talking at a local Unity Church uh, this Sunday, and I looked out in the second service, and there was this lovely young couple, 20-something. And, you know, they have their arms around each other, and they appeared to be listening to what I was saying. And I said, you know, you guys, I've just got a comment on you. There, your cell phone isn't in your hand. You're not texting somebody. You're you're engaged in what's going on around you and how wonderful it is to have you a part of creating this service. And um, afterwards, I wondered if I, you know, you know, stepped over the ledge of what's right or not. <laughs> you know, they came up to me and they were they wanted to be acknowledged and appreciated. They it was their first Sunday in the church too, and I thought, oh gosh, have I ruined it for the new minister? Come <laughs> back, you know. <laughs> and um, and they they said uh, they said they couldn't wait to hear what what I had to say next week, and I said, me neither, because <laughs> I never know what it's going to be. <laughs> Don't so, you Carla, find that, well, Jamie? Well, I do, and Don't here's, here's what I'm thinking while I'm listening to the two of you. Is what do you, I mean, Denise and I have talked about it before. What do you think in your coaching, and both of you do coaching with people, what do, what do you think, Carla, is, you know, when people say, oh, so-and-so has no sense of humor, is it that they really have no sense of humor, or do you think they hold back? I mean, what do you think it's about when people do not seem to have, be able to engage and laugh and have a good time? Well, I I really think it's they've gotten lost in the busyness of trying to do life instead of remembering what's meaningful and important to them. Because all of us love to laugh. I don't think they don't have a sense of humor. I just think life has them moving around in a fog that seems overwhelming to them. And if you just give people you just a space to be able to feel safe enough to let go of the burden, as I say, cough up the fur balls, um, <laughs> let, them, let them go, you know. Now let's get down to what's really important and meaningful to you, and, and that is enjoying life, celebrating the experience we're going through. Even when, it's, even when it, it's a nightmare, there's beauty in it. You know, life is beautiful and horrific both at the same time. Um, and when we... we but laughter helps us really see what's meaningful to us. So, so there's an authenticity that comes forth when you can laugh. And, and if you can't laugh, um, it's, it's really a sign of some pathology. Most definitely. Yeah, I you know, I was thinking about a quote that I had heard. I think it's by Victor Borga. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And yes. I think that that is encapsulates what happens sometimes when I'm with people because I know that generally sometimes, you know, I know this probably sounds crude to some people that might be listening, but I'm listening to someone tell this big, long, hairy tale of something that's going on in their life. And at some point in time, sometimes I just look at them and go, wow, and I kind of chuckle to myself. And they just kind of look at me, and I'm like, what an amazing creator you are. Because if you could have uh-huh. created all of that, think of what else you can create, you know. And then we both kind of can chuckle and move through something. And I think it's, 
my way of helping people to learn how to laugh at themselves sometimes even when they get stuck oh, in the I, mire. Yeah, I give people permission to laugh at me. Right. <laughs> Just laugh at me. Right. Because um, I'm pretty cuckoo. You know, I dress vibrantly. I'm, I mean, I'm nothing if I'm not alive. And, right. Um, so, so laugh at at what I'm saying. If you're laughing and you're crying, I know we're having an experience of the heart. Most definitely. And those are the experiences we remember. You know, I had the funniest thing i got to tell the two of you. When I was speaking in Columbia, it's a church that does, I kid you not, five full minutes of timed silence. Wow. Silence. I mean, it blew me away. And and so I went down with Jim. Um, I don't think you know Jim, Denise, but, but Jamie's part of the fam. And uh, so Jim came down with me, and, and I didn't say anything to him about the service. So he's thinking in the 9 o'clock service when there's five minutes of silence that Reverend Carl has gone to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and he's coughing up a loogie. He's clearing his throat. He's full of a And I sat down. He said, what happened to you? <laughs> I said, they do five minutes of silence. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> do the talk in this wonderful sense of how funny life is and how, you know, we, it's our, our perception of what's going on that's causing us the stress. It isn't what is going on, you know? Right. And I, I also, Jamie, you were asking about laughter in the beginning. I have clients that don't give themselves permission to laugh. Oh, right. That feel like that this is hard, life is hard, and it wouldn't be proper for me to laugh about something like this. You know, I don't think they really have have learned the beauty of what laughter really does and that, you know, the statement of you can't solve a problem on the same level of the problem, I can't even see beyond what's going on until I can raise my vibrational energy. And laughter is the fastest way to do that. Absolutely. There's a quote quote that Denise has said before, and, you know, I'm going to say it like we would say it when we're alone because we can say whatever we want to. (laughs) But what Denise said that I never forgot, and I I quote it often, is that there are some people who have a stick stuck up their ass, and we're the people (laughs) to pull it out. And people laugh when I'm talking, and I say that, and I always say that it was Reverend Denise Jurgen, and I give her address, that she said that people fall out because they realize we all know somebody that has a stick shoved so far, and you just go, you know, like we said, lighten up. That's funny. You have to tell somebody. If you have to tell them, that was funny. Right. That was funny. And they just look at you with deadpan. So I do think that some of us really have never given ourselves permission. We worry what people will think or that we feel that we have to have a certain persona when we're in front of people. You know what right. I mean? And I think sometimes if we just surrender that and I'm going to show up and have a good time, there was a saying somebody said one time, honey, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. And I never right. forgot that one either, you know. <laughs> well, there's nothing that boosts the immune system faster 
than laughter. It relaxes the whole body. So, you know, I've had those thoughts about, oh, gee, I wonder what they'll think of, you know, blankety blank blank. And when I'm worried about what other people might think of what I'm going to say or do, that's when I so appreciate laughter because once I'm laughing, I've forgotten all the, the, the shoulds, ought tos, have tos. You know, I'm in the game of life and I'm playing it full out. And when I'm playing life, when I'm laughing or I'm crying, I'm being, I'm being real. I'm being present to this moment, this moment now. And that's the only creative moment we really have. So for people who have trouble laughing, you know, um, uh, watch children. You know? Oh, yeah. Watch them. Go make yourself go outside and smile at people you don't know. You'll find your mood is so elevated you can't believe you couldn't think of that yourself. You know, you don't even have to pay me the big bucks. I can tell you. <laughs> you know, I've I've said sometimes to people when I was doing a talk or a workshop or whatever about, and I have, have a section about laughter, is I've worked for many, many years with children, and if I walk into a kindergarten or a first-grade classroom and I have everybody sit on the floor and I say, okay, for the next five minutes we're just going to roll around on the floor and laugh, they are thrilled beyond belief. Yes. And they will just roll around on the floor and they will just laugh and we just have the best time. But have you ever tried to do that with a group of adults? Walk into a classroom <laughs> right now. and say, for the next five minutes, we're just going to all roll around on the floor and laugh. And speaking of people with fix up their booties. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to me, generally when I say that, and on Sunday mornings sometimes I will say something like that and people will look at me funny. You know, and if people look at me funny on Sunday morning, I remember what uh, a friend of mine said to me a long time ago about public speaking. If they're looking at you funny, they may just have gas, so don't worry about it. They just have gas, so just don't even worry about what they're thinking about. But, you know, when I say that, then I usually pause and say, until we become as little children, we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that, to me, encompasses the whole thing. We have forgotten the joy of why we're here. When we play with the problem rather than becoming the problem, we can transform it. We can really change it into an opportunity for something new. That's, That's the principle upon which we stand. You know, we deny the power of the situation or the prognosis or the condition to define who we are, and we affirm the the, the creative ability of of us to to be an expression of the living God in whatever situation we're in. I don't want to talk about having an experience of God. I want the experience of God, and that means I'm God with skin on. That means I can. I can help laugh any stick out of wherever part of the body it might be stuck. <laughs> and we but you know what? Busy. I think you guys, but you guys as ministers have done memorial services, and there are those oh, yeah. services mm-hmm. where there's the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, and they're wailing <laughs> and they're screaming, and then there are those memorial services where people get up 
and they tell the funniest stories in in honor of the person and the place is falling out laughing and when the people leave and it's got a whole different energy because we laughed in their memory and we've told these wonderful stories instead of how horrible life is that our loved one is gone i mean we got it we're going to miss them but when people share these humorous stories the place just falls out with joy right well you know i I've got to share one more experience um, with the two of you before you cut me off. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. It's getting to be that time. Where's the hook? Um, uh, my sister-in-law asked me to do the, the memorial service for my brother, and I thought, okay, but I can't do it like I've done any other service. And so I told stories of, of experiences he went through. My brother was out to prove unity was wrong no matter what. There were so pro- there were some problems that there was no way of finding a solution to. So, you know, he was the one. He had a wonderful sense of humor, but you had to know him a long time before he would show you. You know, he was very black and white. And um, uh, so when he's in the process of uh, leaving this physical plane, he's saying things to me like, Carla, mom's here. And I went, really? He said, yeah. And I said, great. You know, and he goes, a couple of days later, he'd say, Carla, you know, there's angels everywhere, and it's really beautiful. Now, let me tell you that for my brother Kent to be talking about angels was miraculous in and of itself and for me to share that with people at the service I had people come up to me and say do you know how hopeful and comforting that was to know that and I thought you know it's it's we all have to leave some way (laughs) but there's always so much more love present in the leaving than we can ever believe possible you know, I could visibly see my brother's love for his wife. You know, one time my brother John and I and Michelle are, are talking about something. And my brother Kent didn't look like he was conscious at all. So everyone remember, when you're around somebody who is in the process of leaving this physical plane, they hear everything, absolutely everything. So um John says, Michelle, give me something practical to do. I need to do something. And so she said, well, here's light bulbs. Go replace the light bulbs downstairs. And I said, well, how many McClellans does it take to change light bulbs? And Kent said, totally, totally looking like he's sound asleep. Ten, what do you think? (laughs) And that's the way we can do the whole thing, loving each other and laughing and sharing the joy. And that's what Definitely. you do, Carla. And so before we go, you want to tell um, tell our listeners about your radio show and uh, refresh them um, again on your website. Okay. Check me out at lifecoachcarla.com. You can email me at carla, C-A-R-L-A, at lifecoachcarla.com. Um, I offer anyone who contacts me through my my um, website a complimentary 30-minute session, you know, where we get to know each other. And if I've got any tip for you, I'll be more than glad to share it. So take me up on my offer. Um, I also host uh, Unity.fm 
online radio program called Vibrant Living Life Coaching with Carla. I've been doing it a little over eight years, and uh, and I always have somebody. I've had Reverend Jamie on. Now I got to do Denise because she's yeah. funny too, and she's a coach. Um, where we just have like a kitchen table conversation about things that we're noticing that are causing pain and suffering that don't need to be there. So so vibrant living, vibrant living is a life filled with passion, purpose, and enthusiasm. So check me out, my friends. I'm here for you. Thank you for being with us again. And for those of you who are listening, you can also look Carla up on YouTube. There's many clips of her being on television in the Kansas City area. She's outstanding when you get to also see her do what she does. So be sure to check out her website, Life Coach. Uh, what am I say? Life Coach Carla.com. <laughs> Whatever it is, just call her. Call her. Call her now. Operators are standing by. (laughs) Carla, we love you, and we'll have you back again in a couple of weeks. Sounds fabulous. Talk to you soon, my friends. Bye, Carla. Bye-bye. She's such a trip. One of my favorite people. That was fun. I love her. Yeah, she really brings a lot. Yeah, she's high energy and just you know, people love her, even in the coaching. I mean, sometimes she can she, she can really kick your butt, but you're right. laughing while you're getting your butt kicked, which is so healing right. itself. Well, and so, that's what and I was saying when I do say certain things to some of my clients. If I had somebody in the therapy world might say, well, that was a little rude, but I have never had it backfire on me. It's always they start laughing with me, and they realize that they have to rise above whatever the situation is to begin to get better, so... It works. Yeah, and that's one of it does work, and that's why I encourage those of you who are listening, whether you're listening live or you're going to listen to the archived show. Laughter truly is transformational, and learn how to surrender and just be in the moment and quit worrying what other people think. Because on our last breath, they tell me that's not the main thing we think about. That other me, it's whether or not we loved enough, laughed enough, and we had a good time on the journey. So in this next hour part of the show, we're excited to have as our guest co-host today one of my buddies that I love and respect, Sean O'Shea. Sean's been on the show before, and here's what I want you to know about Sean. I mean, not only is he my birthday brother, we share the same birthday, November 18th, but Sean began his journey as a performing songwriter during a time of serious health challenges and life-changing events, and he began to seek spiritual enlightenment. He has twice opened for author-speaker Dr. Wayne Dyer and has been interviewed by Charlie Gibson and Diane Sawyer on ABC's Good Morning America. While a music minister, Sean was invited to speak of his experiences and found that he was able to touch people with the spoken word as well as his music. This led to sermon and song events and a combination of his speaking and his musical messages and now to the new Spiritual People Skills book coming out soon. Sean is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, just like Denise, and he travels all over the U.S. doing concerts, clinics, workshops, and seminars. And again, Sean can also be found on YouTube. He is an outstanding uh, pianist, and he has some incredible videos to watch on there. So we invite you to check out his website at spiritualpeopleskills.com for more information. So our topic of discussion today with Sean and Denise and myself will be spiritual people skills, what they are, and how we can use them. So Sean, welcome to the show, and thanks for taking time out of moving to be with us. Sean? Is Sean here? I think I unmuted Sean. Oh, ta-da. You know, that mute ta-da. button is just a terrible thing. 
I was uh, I was just going to urge you to stop bringing up those YouTube videos, Jamie. I was young. I needed the money. You know, you do what you have to do. <laughs> Damn that. We know all about that, Sean. We know all about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> hey, I want to say before we, we go forward how much I enjoyed the story about Carlos Brothers' transition, uh, his transformation before his transition. That was just – that was fantastic. Very, yeah, very it is a, it's a powerful thing, and it really – you know, I, I went – through a lot of that in phone calls with her, and she just empowered um, all of her friends as well as she walked through it. It was pretty powerful. So what Amazing. we want to talk about today, because all three of us know each other very well, we've all we been around each other for years, and so that's one of the reasons we wanted you and Carla to be with Denise and I today is because, number one, we do all laugh together when we're together, but really want to get into this whole idea of what it is that you mean when you talk about spiritual people skills because a lot of people ask me you know around the church they saw the post on facebook about the thing and they said what is that and i said well you're gonna have to listen so that you can find out what it is what it isn't and how we can use them so if you can break down for denise and i and the listeners what exactly do you mean by spiritual people skills and how did that come about for you personally the reader's digest version of the development of spiritual people skills is is this uh for Really, most of my life, I I, uh, I think at the core I was an okay guy, but I sure wasn't acting like one. I was very self-centered, uh, very self-absorbed, and really lacking in interpersonal skills. And because I was in the business world, I was starting to learn the people skills, the Dale Carnegie approaches and those sorts of things to get better at interacting with people, but it was interacting with people with a motive. So-and-so will like you, so you will get the sale. Your sales numbers will increase. Your blah, blah, blah. Your popularity will go up. Where at the same time, you know, my, my just plain old friendships were suffering tremendously because there, well, there really weren't any. So I was speaking spiritual enlightenment. I was brought up like so many of us in the very traditional faith. And I always had this shadow of doubt, like, I'm not quite sure they're telling me the whole story. And I had a very personal relationship with God. And I, I do owe my mom for that. I, I marched in at five years old to the kitchen sink where my mom was washing dishes. And I very matter of factly, after looking up in the clouds and deciding I, I wasn't buying this whole mean old man up in, the, up in the sky waiting to strike us dead, I said to Mom, I, I don't believe in God. And she could have freaked out. She could have told me I was going to hell or to be afraid, and she just said, oh, well, I'll bet he's very disappointed to hear that. <laughs> what and a that neat thing to say. Isn't that – she gave me such a gift, Denise, just with that very simple, calm comment. And I said, he heard that? She said, well, of course, he, he hears everything. And she, she didn't say any more. I just wandered outside, and I looked up, and I said, sorry. And, and God and I have had a direct relationship ever since. And then after studying uh, people like Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer, uh, my mind started being open to these miraculous experiences, and I started thinking about the people skills that I would, was working on but still was not happy, and I was thinking about the spirituality that I was working on but still things weren't quite coming together, and all of a sudden I realized they weren't separate works. They were one and the same. They were people skills with a spiritual motive 
wait, they were spiritual people skills. And mm-hmm. then I logged into my web account and realized spiritualpeopleskills.com was available and it was meant to be. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the bottom line of how it came about. So that's Denise, awesome, what, a, what does that sound like to you, Denise? I mean, when you hear that, because the first time that, that Sean ever mentioned that to me, I thought, wow, that sounds like an amazing course, you know what I mean, like to, for people to teach. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, what comes, to, what comes to mind for you when you hear it? Well, to me, it, it brings up for me the difference between just knowing unity principles, as we've all known a lot of people could spout them off, and spout them off probably better than I could, but they don't really live them. And what I know about what Sean is doing and has done, and he's spoken at our church and brought his amazing process here, is that he's giving people ways to practice so that they can really see how to uh, put the pedal to the metal or the rubber to the road, so to speak, in some sort of a skillful way. And I salute him for, for doing such a thing because it is something that is much needed in our world today, as also in the unity and religious science churches that we have. Again, it's easy to just talk about things, but he's given us some practical things to begin to do to shift our own personal energy. Well, thank yeah, you. I, I think that's true. I uh, actually hired a, uh, a marketing coach who the very, very first thing he did was say, spiritual people skills is not a book. It's an industry. It's it's a whole way of life, and you really yeah. need to tear this down. And so that's when the the title of the first in a series of books is being called Seven Spiritual People Skills with the subtitle For Ordinary People to Make an Extraordinary Difference. Cool. That felt so right because we, we get that. I mean, we're all just ordinary people, and yet we all really do to make an extraordinary difference in this world. And, uh, and so I've just been able to come up with the foundational seven to get you started. And, of course, from there we can go all sorts of different directions with what spiritual people skills are, spiritual people skills for the workplace, uh, for dealing with your teenager, spiritual people <laughs> skills for Facebook. Please. Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> write that one soon. <laughs> Writing in all caps, you know, just simple <laughs> things like that. No way. <laughs> and you know, you you were touching on laughter earlier, and I have laughed. I mean, I have doubled over, catching my breath, laughing with each of you. And now, to be on the phone with both of you at the same time and being given permission to do so is a real treat. So thanks for inviting me. So give us an example of number one, so we can we can get an idea of what, what we're looking at and how we can start to even begin to apply them to our own lives. Sure. Well, I, uh, I'll, I'll give you kind of the, uh, the skeletal outlay of the book. Uh, to help people remember them, I've asked folks to remember uh, the words be legit, B-E-L-E-G-I-T. And, of course, legit meaning for real, be, uh, be, be honest, be upfront. Uh, be sincere, all that sort of a thing. And so B was simply be present. 
when you are with someone, they should feel like they are the most important person in the world. We, I'm sure all three of us, have spent time with someone who makes us feel like, wow, we are just king or queen of the world just because I'm here. And, and what a wonderful feeling. Uh, that person wasn't checking their text messages while they were <laughs> chatting with you. That person wasn't looking, you know, they, they weren't avoiding eye contact to look over your shoulder behind you to see if maybe better people were in the room that they could excuse themselves to go <laughs> chat with. They were completely focused on, on being with you. And I, there, there have been several people like that in my life, and I've never forgotten that. And I, I thirst to be that for someone, and I fail so many times, even with the people who matter the most to me, like my, my lovely and wonderfully talented and beloved wife, Laurie, who everybody just falls in love with the minute they meet. And when it's just the two of us, I can't tell you how many times my phone will ding or I'll check an email or I'll think about something else. And I'm not being present with her. And, you know, she's the, the number one uh, victim of my failing at that, and I'm working on it. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Sean, because my partner Judy and I, sometimes we make it a point to go out to eat and leave our cell phones in the car. And it's interesting it. to just watch around, look around restaurants and watch people that never make eye contact with the person they're eating dinner with because they're just constantly on the phone. And I'm like, how interesting is that? And yeah. yeah, kind of strange. I think it would be cool to actually, you know, teach this concept not only to adults but to teenagers. Lordy mercy. You know what I mean? Oh, by all means. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I'll let you do it because I'm done teaching teenagers. But I think it, it would be an awesome thing, yeah. you know, because it, it seems, you know, my boys now are 20 and 23, and they are getting the fact that mother still does not want them to come to their grandmother's birthday lunch and keep their cell phone in their lap up under the table to be texting to people all the time. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, how, how do we live in this world and not be attached to some sort of device all the time? Well, it, you know, and, and I'd love to tell you that I'm not probably among the top culprits of being attached to a device. I'm, right. I'm facing around a beautiful backyard in Nashville with an iPhone in my hand, and right. uh, my iPad is charging nearby, and my uh, computer is sitting on the table waiting to go. So, I mean, it, it's all part of my work. And, right. and what a wonderful thing. I mean, it's it's a dual-edged sword. Uh, all this communication, uh, well, Facebook, for example, you know, we joke about Facebook, but all three of us uh, on this call right now are very active Facebookers, and yes, that is a word. Um, <laughs> and, and that has truly, uh, while, while I have had plenty of days that it's been a big time waster or a, um, I think I have permission to say this based on some things you said earlier, Jamie, shitstorm starter. Yes. Uh, yes. That Facebook can be, if you if you use it that way inadvertently, it can also be a, a real gift. Uh, there was someone who contacted me maybe a year and a half ago, uh, private messaged me and uh, said, I, I just need you to know that a short video that you posted one day saved my life. I was wrapping wow. everything up, and it was on my way out to do myself in. 
and I felt like stumbling across your video was not an accident and that I needed to hang in there. And pretty much my video was just, I know you've got it tough. It's been a tough day, but hang in there was what my video was. Wow. And I cried. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just was so overwhelmed by that. In fact, uh, on my next trip to the Northeast, I stopped, uh, went down into uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and had lunch and then several beers with this delightful human being, and he's just a, a gift to the world and a gift to me. But it all started because of Facebook posts. So my, my long-winded point in saying that I'm not anti-technology, right? but I am anti those times that the technology takes us away from the moments that, that we're missing out on. And, and I'm, I'm trying to do better at that myself, and, uh, and I'm hoping other people will as well. Well, it has to be some sort of a balance in our world, you know, because, again, when when I am sitting and doing the Facebooking thing and Judy comes into the room and says hello to me and I don't even look up, I'm thinking, there's something wrong with this picture here, you know. Right. I need to sure. at least acknowledge you, that you are a person in the world, you know. So I, I think it's a balance for us all to figure out how to do because – it's definitely not anything that I grew up with. It's something that I added in in my adult years. You know, we sure. didn't have such things. I try to explain to my sons that, you know, I lived in the days when if your car broke down or if you had a wreck, then you had to walk to somebody's yard and hope that they would let you call on their phone to get the police or something. We didn't have those little things with us back then. So. Yeah. Uh, I think my grand- grandkids are wondering whether or not we had color when I was a child. Right. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, you had cars, Grandpa? I thought you were a horse yes. and buggy. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I usually Thanks say, no, that. I had my dinosaur tied up to the, to the rails outside. That's why. <laughs> <I had>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so what's another one hey. of your spiritual people skills? Well, uh, the, the second one, the, the E from B, is mm-hmm. uh, empathize. Ooh. To truly get under someone's not under someone's skin in a bad way, but in their skin, in their shoes, yeah. feel what they feel. And and the example that I use in my workshop is a photo of a very very elderly lady, and uh, and imagine that you have been at a gathering where this woman announces, "Oh, my sister died last week," and you think, "Oh, wow, that's that's a shame." And then I show another slide of her sister. An elderly lady, just you know, about her age and close to it, and then you, it kind of puts reality in. And then you think, well, yeah, okay, yeah, she lost her sister. That's going to happen as you get older. And then I, I, I move back. I move back to when they were in their fifties, and then I move back to another slide when the two girls are in their twenties, and then ultimately I move back to a slide when they were little, little people, mm-hmm. like two and four. And they're laughing and playing. And I said, that's who she lost when she said, my sister died last week. Wow. And, wow. you know, I, I usually cry just just going there. And I'm the one who created the darn presentation. <laughs> but there are you know, so many issues that come out during that because we, we just really need to take a moment to understand the magnitude of what's being shared with us, of what's being said. Uh, we, you know, we can't let it stop us from doing what we have to do and moving on and helping people. But 
but we need to really understand what that other person is going through when they say this happened or, or I'm struggling with that. They, they need to know that we really get it. Yeah. You know, Jamie, I was wondering about you in that process because I know being a minister, being the senior minister of a church, people sometimes tell us, everything sometimes more than we really want to know about their of course lives (laughs) but i wonder how that process of being empathetic helps you in the process of being the minister well you know i had a conversation yesterday with probably two of our oldest members and when i say old i don't necessarily mean in years i mean being active members in the church and one of the things that was said to me was you know this May 3rd will be my 13th year of being here, which is just really hard to imagine. doesn't seem like it. But she said, you know, when you first got here, you seemed scared of us. And so I, wow. I just sat there looking at her. And you get that moment of, do you, do you go there? And so I went, okay. And I said, do you want to know the rest of the story? And she said, yes. And I said, do you have any idea how many stories were told to me about how mean some of the congregants were in this ministry. And so I come in and I said, even though I wasn't a child, I know I looked like I was, I was in some ways a child of being a minister in a church. And I said, so I walked very carefully. So I did learn to listen because I have learned if you, if you, you know, the, the uh, brutal way of saying it, if you shut your mouth, you'd be amazed what you hear when right. people are telling you something. And you're right. Some things, you know, people will come to me now and say, you remember that time I came in for counseling and I told you blah, blah, and I go, no, I, I, I don't retain it. And then there are those things that you never forget, that you wished, like you said, you never heard. But <laughs> I think by listening, and, you know, just I was just at um, Edwin Gaines again with mm-hmm. my congregation, and one of her agreements when, when we all arrived there is she asked us, if someone's crying, do not touch them. And right. some of my people said, well, that doesn't seem very kind. And I said, listen to her. She's a teacher. And what she said was, when we do that, when we reach over and start pawing at someone because they're crying, what we're really saying is, you are making me very uncomfortable. Please quit right. crying. And so I've learned, even with the being empathetic in the office, is, you know, I will pause. I will hand them the Kleenex. And I said, just go ahead. Feel what you're feeling, and we'll continue in a moment. But I never, you know, go jump in their lap and you know, coddle them and rock them. Um, but I have learned that it's so imperative, part of the, the spiritual people skills is, is being a good listener, because I did yes. learn if I just would talk less, man, I, I heard so much more that I didn't ever hear before. Right, right. Absolutely, yeah. And and, and interestingly, the L of the legit acronym is, is in fact that, listening. It's, it's critical. We've, we've got to really... Be quiet. We even uh, in the workshop, we actually break down and I pair people up who do not know each other. They either literally never met before that day or they've gone to church together there, but they've never really spent any time together. They don't know much about each other. And I only give it between five and eight minutes. But at the end of that session, there are people hugging and pairing up together and, you know, exchanging email addresses and phone numbers where they want to continue that conversation. Because part of the workshop is that we, we work on how to elicit, 
you know, uh, feelings from each other to really draw out information. And, uh, and to get, I'm, I'm sure we've all been in conversations where someone will say, hey, Denise, what's going on with you? And you say, well, boy, so much. It's been a crazy month. I just moved from, and the person will say, oh, yeah, me too. You know, my job has been crazy, and I've been doing this, and I was doing that, <laughs> and then I went over here, and then I, 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 I. Right. And the whole conversation shifts back to that person. And they right. might even stop 15 minutes later and say, oh, but enough about me. Tell me what's going on with you. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And then you say, well, like I started to say, um, it's been a little difficult because my job has, oh, you too? Yeah, my job has been so stressful because I, 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 and I remember <laughs> being so incredibly guilty of that. Oh, my goodness. You, you know what Charlie Brown's teacher sounds like, right? You're like, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, exactly. Because I couldn't wait for them to shut up so we could get back to the topic that really mattered. Me! Right. <laughs> and it was, it was at a point in my life where I figured out that I was doing that. And I needed to cut it the hell out. But my life shifted so dramatically. You know, it's interesting because I've always had a belief about therapy. As long as I've been, I've been doing therapy with people over 20 years. And when I say this to somebody who does therapy, they get a little snarled up at me. But I said it's just really rent a friend. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Because (laughs) I, I think you just got it. It's like a lot of the people that come to sit in therapy. Not necessarily the people that want to be coached. That's a different situation. But a lot of people in therapy don't really have a friend who will listen to them. Wow. Which which is a very sad thing. But I have found it to be about 90% true in the years that I did mainly therapy out in the world. And it might be a child. It might be a teenager. It might be an adult. It might be somebody's mother. But they will pay good money every week to come because you are willing to listen. My goodness. That makes my heart feel achy. It does. And so, hence, why this is such awesome information to be sharing out in the world. Because, you know, if a person is in a family or in a spiritual community, it just really takes one person to be willing to listen to them. You're so right. Just mm. one person. So what wow. is E, the next E? <laughs> wow, you want me to keep going? Gosh, I I'm do, because this is good guys. stuff. This is juicy. This is not all about me, you know. Uh, well, it can be. <laughs> the next E is empower. Oh, I like that. Actually seek to empower other people. And I know you each very well, and you do that so very very nicely. In fact, you're doing it with me right now. Don't think I didn't notice. Uh, where you know, instead of always seeking to be the proverbial alpha dog in every situation, seek to empower, to build up that other person so that they can feel the importance, they can feel the self worth that they they deserve. And of course, that whole chapter investigates ways and practical applications to make that happen. 
you know, to me, that is the bottom line of being a spiritual leader, is assisting other people, empowering them to find their light and to shine it. I mean, that's a whole lot of what we do, is it not, Jamie? I agree with you, and sometimes, I don't know if you two have noticed this, but sometimes people get mad <laughs> when you, you <laughs> no. are, you're teaching a principle. They get mad, and they're mad at the messenger. You know, people say, <laughs> you made me so angry when you said what you said, and I laugh, and then a few weeks later, or months, I mean, I've even had it recently, a year, somebody came back and said, you were, you were so on the money, and I just wasn't ready to hear it, and I apologize for wow. having been so nasty to you. But, I mean, it, did it hurt me? Yes, because I, my passion, and I know it's you guys' passion as well, is to empower people. And when you look out while you're speaking and you see somebody look up and you know they just got a ding, it is amazing. Yeah. And people, and so, but then there's those people who scowl. And, I mean, you know, I'm even, in the beginning, I'd see people who'd get up, you know, they'd start walking down the aisle and I'd think, oh, geez, what did I say this time? And then I, they, I'd Remember, say, Jamie, they have gas. Right, and they went to the bathroom. They came back, and I was like, oh, it's, you know, like Sean said, it's not all about me, but you see someone get up in the middle of your talk, and you're like, oh, what did I say? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. but it, it has been. We are there. Edwin told me one time that, and I never forgot it, and she said, you are not there to win a popularity contest. You are here to teach truth, and if the person doesn't like the curriculum, they can leave, but someone will be there next week who's ready to learn. Never mm, forgot. That's awesome. When, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, my belief is the curriculum that we all three are teaching is just really universal principles that we all are here to learn. Some people just aren't aware that they're there to learn it. Does that make sense at all? Oh, yeah, it sure does. And so it's part of our job to find ways to speak to different kinds of people. Different kinds of people learn in many different kinds of ways. And, you know, and again, I love what Ed Wein says because somebody at Unity Village once told me, said it in a very different kind of a crass way, but a Unity minister is there to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And oh, wow. <laughs> and that's Woo. kind of what I think happens almost every Sunday morning. I will have somebody that comes through what I call the licking line at my church. Sean, you remember that, the licking line? I do. <laughs> Jamie, you need a licking line if you don't have one. But and, uh -huh. and they will tell me what you said today really speaks to my soul. You know, so I know that there was something that they could take away. But just about every Sunday, I will have somebody that says, it may not be I'm angry at you, but what you said is really hard for me to wrap my mind around right now. And I, you know, I, I, I just usually tell them maybe you're not ready for that piece yet. Because wow, one right. of the things I try to say almost every Sunday is I'm telling you my beliefs and the way I live my life, but you may, you can throw any of it away. You know, it doesn't have to become your beliefs if you're not ready for them yet. <laughs> then, then you have that person who comes through the line after service and says, I like what you were trying to do up there. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, 
what I would have to say, Sean? Oh, I don't try to do anything, honey bunny. (laughs) Wow. uh, Thank you. Thank you. Is that a backhanded kind of a compliment? (laughs) Yeah, and if there were 200 people there, that would be the one that I kept thinking about on the way home. Well, sure. (laughs) You know, stupid human tricks, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. (laughs) That help us you know, learn that it's not about them. It's really about, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe that being a spiritual leader, we're there to empower people, but I also believe that we're there to learn what we're teaching. Oh, no question about it. Um, I, you know, I, I probably am the one who uh, is a crying mess as, as much or more than any, anyone in the pews, uh, any given Sunday or, or, you know, SPS event that I'm doing. And, uh, and it's, and it's been very, uh, very good for me. It's been uh, very connecting. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, every day. I, I just I, I can't believe that uh, this is the life I get to, to lead, and, uh, and it's amazing. Right. I generally tell the congregation a lot of times on Sunday, you know, I'm just the one who is just silly enough to think I can stand up here and pontificate about something. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's just me talking to myself, and you all just get to hear the conversation. So, you know, <laughs> take good. what you would like with you, and don't worry about the rest. So, <laughs> I think uh, I think we should afford Jamie a couple of beers. I mean, he's awfully quiet. He's more. He is than quiet. No. Well, creepy. I'm Facebooking. Please, you don't think I'm listening to you two, do you? <laughs> Now, how did that feel? Did that feel empowering, John? <laughs> I was so about No, what Denise just said, <clears throat> you know, Denise, when you just said that about, I say to the cop, I've said it for years, you all think I'm talking to you, you just happen to be right. here, I'm talking to me. Right. You know, and, and there's a thing in my office, I'm trying to find it, it's on the wall somewhere, and it says it's all about me, and, you know, people laugh about that, and they go, it, it is and it isn't, it's about my filters and how I feel and what... What did that just mean? And, you know, it's like yesterday I, had a, I was able to have a conversation that just was 13 years in the making. And it yes. was so transformational and so healing because there was no fear to speak your truth. Didn't have to raise your mm. voice. They shared theirs, and it was one of the most empowering things. And I said, I choose to not go into year 13 carrying this baggage. And so let's do something different. And it right. was really, it was like you felt the air suck out of the room. And so the, you know, the whole thing about speaking your truth, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking your truth, but without having, you know, sometimes we wait till we have to be nasty about it. Now oh, yeah. Right. Me <laughs> and we call it, it's gasoline. But to say, can we have a conversation? Because you just said something that, that really flipped a switch for me, and I'd like to go back so that I don't have to walk away carrying something that may or may not be my issue. And usually right. the person looks like they're dumbfounded. But when you go right. back and say, when when you just said, I, I brought up the other day in the service about, you know, I last probably about six months ago, I got a bug and I couldn't eat for like seven days, ten days. I couldn't eat anything. I lived on banana popsicles. Right. And it was oh. horrible. And so dropped weight very, very quickly. <clears throat> And so what people would say is, this is this is spiritual people skills, folks. They would say, you look so good since you've lost all that weight. And I look at them like, well, was I in the Macy's Day Parade? I mean, come on. 
can't you just say, wow, you look good. Oh, my God. You look good. Wow. And so I told it from the platform. And, of course, the people die laughing hysterically. Right. But, I mean, they realized when people would say to somebody, you look really bad. Are you feeling okay? You know, people say that. So I said right. it's about mindfulness, you know, spiritual people skills, mindfulness, that what was your intent? Sometimes our intent is to sucker punch people. If right. we have unresolved issues, we will sucker punch someone with a smile. You know, as Karen Taylor Good and Stowe say about bless your heart, yes. and you sucker punch. <laughs> so the thing is, is spiritual people skills is say what you mean, but be mindful of your delivery. Because it will come back as a boomerang. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I usually tell people, especially at church on Sunday morning, don't come up to me 20 minutes before I've got to speak and tell me some bizarre thing because I promise you it'll come right back out my mouth while I'm standing up there because it's just me in too. my brain, you know? Right. Mm. Makes sense. <laughs> yes, I've got to laugh about the, uh, about the weight comment. I was with somebody just a week ago, and I was at my computer, and I wanted to show him something, uh, some information, and I called up a video about the topic we were discussing, and he said, whoa, wow. That must have been shot a while ago. You were huge. <laughs> How bizarre. And I, said, I said, actually, that was Tuesday that I shot this one. And <laughs> at which time I felt really a lot worse for him than I did for me because he turned purple. Just you know. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You know, people sometimes just don't really are not mindful about what they say and how they're saying it. They're just not. Well, you know, and, and I could also make a decision about how I want to take that. Yes, you can. <laughs> oh, he's saying I'm a fat slob. Or I could think, wow, he apparently thinks I've lost some weight since right. Tuesday. Yay. Yay, <laughs> since Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Yay. Yay. Well, I, I think all three of us are inordinately blessed to uh, to do the work that we love and to have found each other, I am grateful for each of you and for both of you, and and for these teachings and for all the new friends that we continue to make, the lives that uh, that we are about to touch, the new friends that we're about to make, and I think it's just amazing that we do what we do. Sean, I feel the very same way about you. You know, I've told you for many, many years, I just adore you, and I adore your sweet wife, Lori, and we just love being able to see you anytime that we can at Unity of Music City because you are both lights in the world, and it's just awesome when your vibration comes in the door. It's like I feel you when you're coming right in. <laughs> well, we are grateful. We always do feel very at home there, and welcomed and, uh, and and enjoy it every time we can get over there, that's for sure. Cool. So what do you guys think, I mean, so Denise, what do you think you're, one of your, the things you bring to the table, one of your skills as as a coach, as a minister, What I mean, that you know, that you know, that you know, this is what I am good at and it feels good to be in service this way. Well, one of the things that I have uh, as my byline is your partner in believing because one of the things that I believe that I do for people that I'm working with individually is I help them believe in themselves. Generally, 
one of the things I have found over the last 25, 30 years of being in New Thought is that the New Thought really is about me believing in me. Because I am not a lowly worm. I am not a sinner. I am a divine being. But that shift for so many people is so difficult that having an individual who can believe in them as they are taking the journey to believe in themselves helps them Mm -hmm. create a different kind of a life. Does that kind of make sense? Yep. Almost too much sense. Amazing. Because, you know, the the people that I work with, one of the sayings that I use with people a lot uh, as they are creating a new life, because I I don't know if it's just because we live here in Nashville, Tennessee, and people have been taught in a fundamental basin here that, you know, life is hard and this is my cross I have to bear and blah, 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 blah. But I say to people when they are in that kind of a realm, how can you have what your heart yearns for when it is full of what you've settled for? Wow. And I want to say that one more time so people can get that. How can you have what your heart yearns for when it is full of what you've settled for? And then most people will tell me, you know, well, this is the life I have. This is what you know, God gave me, or blah, blah, and I'm like, you know, I don't believe that there is a God, as you talked about, Sean, a big man on the cloud out there that says, well, I think Sean's been a good boy today, I'm going to give him this. You know, Mm -hmm. we in unity believe that we create and manifest the world, the life that we want to live, but some of us have settled for things because we don't have the belief in ourselves that we can create something different. Even people in unity who know, who've been taught, thoughts and mind reproduce after their kind and all of those lovely little things that we've been taught, but they're just thoughts that we have. We haven't let right. them marinate inside us and really start living them. And yep, so my I, intent I, in the coaching realm is to help people see where they've settled and how they can breathe into what their heart really yearns for. Well, you are a light in this world, that is for sure. Thank you, and, Sean. Jamie, I have a question for you, if you, if we have time for you to answer it. If yeah. you could pick one thing that you've learned about Jamie Sanders in your 13 years as minister, what would that be? And if I'm you know, throwing you under the bus or it's, it's too long of an answer, we can save it for another day. But I would be interested yeah. in your... And your answer. This is what came up yesterday when, with these conversations, and one of it has been, which, you know, all my life people would say to me, you're too sensitive, you're, you're too thin-skinned, and I used to think it was a curse. But what I realize is the very thing that sometimes can appear to be something that is a flaw or against us is what makes you, as we were talking earlier, being able to understand how somebody else feels, understanding that, you know, I grew up in a household where we were told children are to be seen and not heard. And my father, who was a very um, stern, strict military man, would say, say another word and I will knock your head off your shoulders. So you grow up with this thing that nobody wants to hear what you have to say. And so learning mm-hmm. that you were sensitive and, you know, one of my friends told somebody one time who was very um, aggressively um, 
aggravative in the ministry, said, when you say the things you say to him, there's a little boy in there that, whose passion is to serve and to empower, and you kick the stool out from under him. And I thought, she mm-hmm. really got it. I mean, because my thing mm-hmm. is, is I know what my intentions are. I think you and I, Denise, uh, even Carla, we know what our intentions are in doing what we do. And sometimes when you look back in life, it was for, you know, I always loved to sing. And for years it, it terrified me. Sometimes it still does. And I remember being in prayer one time at a conference. I had to go sing in an hour. And I was scared to death. And I remember praying. My prayer used to be, you know, let me be good. Let me be good. And all of a sudden I wasn't even thinking what I was mumbling. And I heard myself say, let me do this because I love to do it. And I almost fell out of the chair. And I realized that was the key. My ego wanted to be good and to be seen and to be appreciated. But when I got to the real truth, the sensitive, thin skin truth was, I just let me do this because I love to do it. And I went out and I tore the place up and got a standing ovation. And so I appreciate that about myself. There are times I wish that I could turn the switch off and I didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Within reason to have that, that balance that it doesn't matter what so-and-so said, it's not the truth, and that I don't have to defend myself. One of the people in our congregation, she's a counselor in the area, and she told me one time, she said, you have a habit of defending yourself. And she said, stop it. It's not appealing at all. And I said, I don't understand. And she said, you do not have to um, justify, analyze, defend, or explain who and what you are. And so when people say, could you come to my house for dinner, I'd go, well, I would, but I've got to go bowl, and then I've got to go to Walmart. And, then I... and she would say, just simply say, thank you so much, but I'm not available. But you want to justify, if you had to let an employee go, I've been so good to you. She said, stop it. They know you were good to them. I have to let you go. And, and that's been powerful for me. So that it's a borderline of being sensitive and also doing what is mine to do. And I, I affirm often, I have a church to run. Mm. So. Yeah, I hope that answered it. You, you touched on the vocal performance, and I want to let our listeners know, if you have never heard Jamie Sanders sing, for goodness sake, you're missing out. He is uh, uh, every bit as fabulous a singer as he is a speaker and, uh, and minister and spiritual leader. So if ever an opportunity comes up to hear him sing, take it. Most definitely he's wonderful. Yep. The last time he spoke at our church, he actually sang, and it was such a blessing for everybody. Yeah, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, this is really, uh, this is such a blast. I'm so glad I got to hang with you guys. We are so glad you got to hang with us, too. You're an amazing light in the world, and I say keep it going. <laughs> well, I'm sure sure I am trying. I, I, I do wish that Pensacola were a little bit closer to us, Denise. Oh, I mean, I I'd like too. to see Jamie a lot more often. I do, uh, too. I Maybe we like. should just jump in a car and go down there at some point in time. Maybe I didn't need. hear a word you Road said. Trip. I don't know. The sound dropped out. What were you saying? I'm sorry. Give me the, oh, give me the well, book. We were just talking about all that money that you owe us. Uh, no. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. We actually were saying we need to get in a car and just drive to Pensacola and come down there and see you. We, so. Yeah, we just wish we were closer to you so we saw you more often. Well, you know, I'm you always know, open Denise, to Nashville. 
Denise, I say that, and yet you and I live across town from each other and see each and other we a couple don't times a other. year. So, I know. You know what? Maybe I better just retract that and say, I just plain old wish that we saw you more often because, you know, we need to make that happen. Most definitely. We had so, Sean, is there any is, there in Pensacola. Is there any upcoming events you want to share with us? We've got about probably seven, eight more minutes, and I want to talk to Denise about some of the things she's got going on. So tell us cool. a little bit about your uh, website and what you've got going on and, and what we can expect, maybe a timeline on the book being released, that sort of thing. I have intentionally uh, stopped booking, uh, speaking engagements so that I can get the darn book in my hand and finish. The procrastination level has been absurd, and that's all due to being my own worst critic. Uh, you know, I write a few pages and then read it back and go, blah, blah. And, and finally, you know, I realize that that's what I have editors for, so I need to just get the darn thing done. So, But there is an exception to that. I am filling in for the lovely and talented Laura Beth, Reverend Laura Beth, at uh, uh, Unity Transformation in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, that is this coming weekend, uh, April 17th. And Laurie is going to join me and do the music. So we're doing the music uh, and the message uh, that day based on how spiritual people skills changed my life. And uh, I don't have their website URL offhand, but that information is at my site, spiritualpeopleskills.com. That so what can we awesome. find on that website? <clears throat> Tell um, people what they can find when they go to the website. Recipes and – no, I'm totally making that up. Um, it's, uh, it's all information about my work, a uh, little bit of history, a um, little bit of what to expect, uh, my calendar of upcoming events, and uh, updates on, on the book progress, and, uh, and a link over to our publishing company, uh, Sing Spirit Positive Words and Music, where we uh, – we're uh, uh, marketing Laurie's wonderful original music. I'm married to uh, one of the finest songwriters I've uh, ever met in my life, and that's a heavy statement when you live in Nashville, Tennessee. So that is, uh, that is the parent company of all of this, and uh, she is my partner in crime, and so I'm especially thrilled that she'll be working with me this coming weekend. Awesome. Well, you know, having you on the show today has been wonderful. Um, you are someone that I know that I love very much. You always make me laugh. You're always supportive. And it, it's fun to have you on the first day to have Denise because, I mean, being able to do the show, it's been a change, you know, to go from having for years I did my show on Unity um, online radio for like five years, and I did it by myself. And then when I moved over to Blog Talk Radio, I was like, you know what, if what I've learned – I never want to do it alone again. It's fun to have somebody to play with. Cindy was wonderful. Denise is going to be an awesome um, addition to this program. And then to have you and Carla both on our first broadcast together has meant the world to me. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love you each, and I love you both. Together you are, uh, well, look out, world. Look out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Give Lori our love, please. I'll do it. Love you both. We'll right. talk to you soon. Thank bye, you. Bye. 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 He's such a fun person. You know. He is amazing. I am so glad we got to talk to him today. So on the it made the skills. whole flow of everything very easy and effortless. It really did. So I mean, what it, on the people skill part of it? You know, when he was asking me, what is the one thing? What about you? I mean, 
we've got a we've got a few minutes to gab with each other before we want to do the close out and the goodbyes and close with your song. So share a little bit about what I mean you think that what he had asked me about the thing about me that I've learned about myself. Mhm. I think probably the the empower thing is very important for me. I have always and I want to first say tried to empower people to be who they came here to be. And sometimes in ministry, and I know you've probably found that to be true, you can empower somebody almost too much, and then they become a bag of chips and all that, and then you've got to deal with that process. You know what I mean? Right. Right. (laughs) But I have found that... I think that I have changed my style of ministry over the last two and a half years to be more of a participant in the circle and not necessarily the person who comes down with all the edicts of what we're going to do. Um, changed from having a board. I have a board of so, of sorts because we have people who have to sign checks and do all that, but to having a leadership council and um, at some point in time, we will eventually talk about on a show the big peace thing that we did here in Nashville, Tennessee, the standing in a circle of peace and how successful that was. And I believe it is because I empowered different people in the congregation to step up and take their place at the table. And I am learning more and more about how to do that in ministry and how to make sure that the right people are on the right seats on the bus. Sometimes I know in my ministry, and I I can't speak for you, but it's been, okay, we need somebody in this position. Can you fog up a mirror? Go. You're it. You know what I mean? Put the mirror up under your nose. Can you fog fog it up? Yay, you are there. (laughs) You get the job. But... (laughs) But then we've had to deal with the fallout of that. And it's it's like now being a little bit more discreet in learning who people are, spending time listening to them, talking to them, and saying, you know, this is an area that you could really shine in. And I begin to see people's face light up, that they are excited that I really recognize that about them. And that plays right into my coaching, being a partner in believing with them. Because this experience of the peace symbol that we made in the yard, the largest peace symbol in Nashville, Tennessee so far, is has been a process of empowering people to step out of their boxes and to be all that they could be. And um, in two weeks, we're going to have what we call a volunteer bonfire and we're going to celebrate that whole experience and how people volunteered and stepped up because there were very few people in the spiritual community that were not a part of all that. And it's just, it warms my heart to even think about it. Well, I mean, there's a different, you know, I've spoken there many times and I can feel, and people say that to me when I come back from a conference or a retreat, they say, oh, you're, right. there's a, a different energy and you're on such a high. And, and that's what I remind them. And so, you know, I feel that I saw a change in you. You left the church for a while and you came back, and there there's a different energy and a different excitement about your ministry. So it's exciting to me to share it not only as your friend but also as a another unity minister in ministry. But you're doing amazing things, and um, 
I'm just thrilled we're, we're here together today. And so as we are coming to the close for the program, we want to say thank you to those of you who have joined in, and we do invite you to share our Facebook page with your friends and encourage them to listen into our broadcast, either live or via our archive shows at blogtalkradio.com slash Jamie Sanders. And look for all of us that you've heard today on Facebook, uh, Jamie Sanders, Denise Jurgen, Carla McClellan, and Sean O'Shea. We do love hearing from you. We love being a support to you in your own journey. And so we just wanted to tell you, you are an amazing presence on the planet, and to always remember to be that light and let it shine. So I'm Jamie Sanders. And this is Reverend Denise Jurgen. And we are just so happy to be here. Reminding you to be good to yourself, be good to others, and keep spreading the light. We leave you now with the music of Dr. Judy Blackwelder, and the vocals are by our own Denise Jurgen and Jamie London from the CD Blinded by the Light. The song is called Heal Me. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>